welcome to episode 225 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. This week's podcast is coming out on the 17th of June 2019, but today I am coming from Gardener's World Live at the NEC in Birmingham, which is an annual event based around the Gardener's World TV program and magazine. I came for the first time last year and absolutely loved it, so I made a return visit this year. And this year, I am podcasting various points throughout the show. Now, that's all to come up a bit later. Firstly, let's find out what I've been up to over this last week in my allotment and garden. Well, it's Tuesday, the 11th of June 2019 today. It's been a really nice, hot summer's day today. After the rain we had yesterday, it's made a nice change. I'm just on my patio area at the moment and uh, I've been busy planting a few plants in the vegetable patch. Now you may remember last week I said I completed building the three beds that I had here. Well I've now planted up two of them. In the top one where I already had some carrots growing I've uh, put in some of my turnip plants, my beetroot plants and a few spinach plants that I had waiting to be planted. Then in the middle bed, I've planted out a row of leeks, which I love planting leeks because I get to say the word paddling. I'll come to that in a minute. A couple of rows of some lettuce that I had and a row of kale and a a courgette plant in in each bed. So yeah, nice to get those planted up and in use. Now above these, I have placed some of the cage fences that I've built for the chickens just to stop the chickens getting in and that should protect them quite nicely. In fact, I'm really liking how it's turned out. I just got hope for the things to grow now and uh, I can see things in the future working out really well with this system. Now I said about planting out my leeks and puddling in. One of the things I love to do with the plant leeks is this term called puddling in. And what that is, is I, I take a dibber and I dib a hole and then I take a single little leek plant and drop it in a hole. I continue that process right up until I planted out all my leeks and then I just water them in. All the soil will fall into that hole into its own, on its own, um, well, on its own. And that'll just give the leek a nice area to grow. So easy, and I really like doing that. Anyway, after I planted those out, I let the chickens out of the coop because they were going mad and they wanted to see what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, they haven't been able to get into my newly planted plants, so I'm very pleased with that. Then I came up to my patio area. Up here, I had a few plants and things that are looking for homes. Courgette plants, kale plants and things like that. I've just potted those on to give them a bit more room in a pot. But I also had a small wooden box that I've painted in some wood preserving paint recently. I filled that up that box up with compost and this is probably 30 centimetres by 45 centimetre box and about 45 centimetres deep. Into that box I have planted in my fig plant or my fig tree. Now this was in a pot and uh, it grows okay. Um, I haven't produced any figs from it recently so I figured it was time to put it into a bigger pot. I do like growing figs because I think they are a very attractive plant. The leaves just look good and they're pretty easy. They don't need much in the way of care really. They get a bit of watering every now and then but they don't need a lot of watering. Um, but they do like their roots to be restricted so they don't need to go in a huge box or pot. 
But yeah, I got that planted up. So it's um, overall, it's been a really productive evening. Now I'm just on my patio and I've uh, noticed I've got some trays of seedlings that I've sown a few weeks ago. Now these aren't actually vegetable seedlings. My wife is obsessed with having a meadow. I've tried it in the ground and they don't germinate in the ground. So I got some seed trays and I've put seed in those and they've germinated. Now I've got to find out a way of transplanting them into her meadow area eventually. But... They've germinated. Things here really don't germinate in the ground, I've decided. Carrots, these seedlings, parsnips, they just don't seem to do it in the ground. So uh, I'm always looking at ways of trying other things. Anyway, that's it for today. That's a, a lot that I've done, as you can hear. But we've got the rest of the week to get through as well. So uh, let's get on and find out what happens throughout this week. Well, it's Saturday the 15th of June 2019 today. And I've just ran into my allotment shed because it's just started raining. I've just about done everything for today anyway, so that's not too bad. Now, before I get on what I've done today, I did come down the allotment after work the other evening and I'd done a bit of weeding. I sorted out a few plants and then I planted out some more squash plants. These are in various um, plastic compost bins that I have scattered around the place, just using those up. And in fact, one of those plants, it was a Crown Prince pumpkin, has grown six inches in that time. So it just goes to show how quick these plants grow given the space. Now today I came down here late morning and well I started to have my usual walk around and I noticed my neighbour was on the uh, on his plot. This is the one with a child but he didn't have his child. But he saw me and he, he called me over and he was having problem with his trimmer. He asked me to see if I can get it running. I had a, I had a try and I couldn't get it running. I think the carburetor's blocked or something. So I've said to him I'll be down here next Sunday. I've taken his number and he's got mine. He's going to bring it down and I'll have a strip down and a proper look at it for him. After that I continued on my walk around and there was areas that I could I knew needed a bit of weeding which what I done a bit of as I walked around. When I looked at my garlic beds the early purple white variety of garlic had mostly the stalks had toppled over which is a sign they're ready and I don't want to leave them in the soil because if they left in the soil they tend to rot so I dug those out and washed them off and then put them in the greenhouse to dry out before they go into storage at home. Decent amount of these garlic. Now these are cloves that I've saved from last year's. So really pleased with how they've turned out. I'll be doing the same again, saving two bulbs to plant in the soil later on this year. But yeah, good crop of garlic. There's probably about 15 bulbs there. And uh, uh, yeah, this, you can't beat fresh homegrown garlic. Now after that, I went to the main bed and I had brought down some of my bean plants. Now, I am late getting my bean plants in. I had four varieties because I had so many seeds that were going out of date this year that I just wanted to get them in. I brought them down and I planned to plant them out, but I was worried I did not have enough canes. I, sit, I Usually I make like a bean frame, which is like two canes running horizontally tied together at the top to make a v-shape and then another cane running across the top just to hold them into place i set one of those up and that was enough for one variety but i looked at how many other canes i had and i knew i wasn't going to have enough then i had a brainwave in my little shed i knew i had some wigwam tops i and two of those i pulled out and i 
figured a way on to use those. And what I did was I took four canes and stuck it in the top and into the ground, making like a diamond shape on the ground. Quite far apart at the base, but coming together to make like a wigwam at the top. Along the bottom, all the way around the outside, I rang a bit of string. And then from the, the wigwam uh, topper, down to this bit of string, I ran some more string vertically. And this has given me enough string to grow all my beans up against. So I've I, I done that with those two. And I've got two more varieties out. These are French beans and runner beans. I'm looking forward to growing those. That's left me one variety, but I've got enough canes now to make another bean frame. I'm just beaten by this rain now that's came in. So I'm not going to get a chance to do any more today. And it's actually come down quite heavy, which is good because it means I don't really need to water in the beans. Just looking forward to seeing these grow now and get some height on them. They're growing well. So yes, that's what I've been up to today. Planting out my beans has been the main thing and harvesting garlic. So um, I'm going to head on home now and get some dinner early night because we've got to be up early tomorrow for Gardener's World Live. It's Monday the 17th of June 2019 today. Now, obviously yesterday at Gardener's World was a very, very busy day. And by the time I got home, I was so tired I went straight to bed, which meant the weekly harvest report for the last two weeks didn't get written up. But I've just done that today. I'll share that in just a second. Now, this evening when I came home uh, from work, first thing I did was to clean my chickens out because I didn't do it yesterday. And I do like to clean them out on a weekly basis. I just find that a lot... I just kind of feel that's the right way to look after chickens is clean them regularly and weekly seems about right to me. So that was a main task that I did today. I also went into my greenhouse and gave everything a good water. The melon plant in there is actually looking a little bit like it needed a good water. I planted that into there a couple of weeks ago, into the ground, and I'm wondering if it's still trying to establish itself. It's a, it does look like it needs a good bit of water quite often, or it's just that I'm not watering it enough and regularly enough, in which case that'll be on me. But I'll keep an eye on it during this week and uh, report back on what's going on next week. Now, as I said, the weekly harvest reports week has came out, and it's been for the last two weeks, so it's a very, very high amount. Lots and lots of beans, strawberries, even a few globe artichokes, which is the first time it's arrived on the scene. Lots of eggs, of course, and so on. Now the veggie pod as well, another good return on that. Now that the grow-off is over, or being pushed to one side, that challenge, I can actually experiment a bit more with other things to grow, which is what I'm thinking, because I, I might grow some radish in there and stuff. Anyway, that'll come on long in the future. But this really wraps up the diary for this week. It's probably a little bit short, but I'll make up with all that with the Gardener's World Trip. This week's tip of the week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar reads Pluck fruits from trees and bushes while they are slightly underripe. These can be frozen or used for making preserves. Yes, uh, I've got currants and cherries just coming into ripeness, so I will be picking those a lot over the next few weeks, and I'm really looking forward to eating them. I love fresh fruit. Now, before I go on and talk about Gardener's World, I just want to clear up a mistake I said last week about dates for the diary. In particular, the maize garden. Now, I accidentally said 
that that event was happening on Saturday the 3rd of August. I was wrong. It's Sunday the 4th of August. Now, I actually put that in my calendar months ago as being the 3rd for some reason, so that was why I made that mistake. But you're not going to forget, now I've made a point of making that mistake, are you? So, um, it's going to be really good. It's well worth coming along. I went to it again for the first time last year. And uh, Richard Bushby down there, he opens his garden up once a year in aid of Perennial, which is a charity for helping aged gardeners. So last year it was £3 entry and I believe it's the same this year. And you just get to have a look around his garden, there's music and events going on, a few stalls. And the prime thing, which is why it's called a maze garden, is a maze at the centre of a garden. And this is a pretty substantial maze, so it's well worth coming along. If you're around, please do. It's in Siddlesham, which is just south of Chichester in West Sussex. I'll be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, Gardener's World Live is where I am at, and we're inside. And uh, do you want to come and join me on this little walk around? Well, it's just after 9am on the 16th of June 2019 and we have just arrived at the NEC in Birmingham which is where Gardener's World Live is held. Now Gardener's World Live is a gardening show spread over four days and it is held every year and it's kind of developed from the BBC Gardener's World TV show and magazine and as such we can expect to see gardening legends such as Monty Don and Alan Titchmarsh here. Now tickets for the day are priced at £26.50 this year although buying in advance does give good discounts and if you're thinking of coming next year I highly recommend that. Parking at the NEC is £16 for the day but if you pre-book it's £12. I have been told that you can park at the airport which is just across the road and that is £9 for the day but I haven't really looked into that but that's something to think about. It is also of course possible to access the show via train or bus but again because I've driven here I've not looked into that. Now for me driving here it's taken three hours so it's a long day including the three hour drive home. Now looking around we have three distinct areas outside inside and the floral marquee and I think we'll start outside. Outside has many stalls selling items and displays. I can see a stand of omelette chicken runs and I want to find out a bit more about one of these so I'm going to run in there and do that. Well unfortunately I didn't get any audio from the omelette stall but I did get the chance to have a look at a chicken run that I wanted to buy for my chickens when I first got them. Now I wanted one of these when I first wanted my chicken. It's called the omelette eggloo cube and I like how these look to be honest. I kind of feel if they're in my garden they need to look good. Unfortunately the chicken run I have is a mess. Now I did a lot of research into these before and I, as I said I liked how they looked. They're made from a type of plastic and they come in colourful colours. I know plastic is a bit of a bad word at the moment but plastic does mean it's easy to clean. The poop hole for these can also be opened easily from the outside and they looked to be foxproof. The only reason I didn't buy one when I started was the price. I, I felt I couldn't justify spending nearly a thousand pounds on a chicken coop when I hadn't actually kept chickens before. Now that I've kept chickens for a while, 
I can see the advantages of them. My wife was actually with me when we were looking at these and she actually said she liked it and she felt she'll be able to look after the chickens better if I'm not around. Mainly because of how the poop hole can be opened easily from outside. Now Omelette did show us an electrical door opener that will automatically open and close the doors or the poop hole which is also a great idea. And I also had the chance to test the wheels out. Now the wheels are another optional extra item that can be brought and they, they mount to the bottom of a run and they can be lifted up and down as and when needed. But I just mean this run can be made a bit more manoeuvrable and in the way made to be like a bit of a chicken tractor which is what I wanted when I first got my chickens so I could move them around the vegetable batch and not exhaust an area. Now overall I really like it although it will take a lot of eggs to justify the cost of one of these but it certainly made me think that I may well get one into the future. Now as I've been talking to you I have actually moved down to the show garden area and this is the area where garden designers have designed and showcased their gardens and wow this one right here is stunning. What we have here is a very rustic looking garden called the Watchmaker's Garden. It's got a vegetable garden on inside a, a split hazel fence which is a type of fence you might see out in the country where hazel sticks are used as vertical rods with metal wire running between them to make a make a fence. Now outside this fence is a lot of wild or meadow plants and it's very very rustic looking and this is how I would like my garden to look to be honest. Now let's see if we can find the garden designer and have a chat with her about this garden. One of the advantages on these shows is getting around to see garden designers and their design of gardens and Alexander Froggett has designed a garden that has won platinum and she's going to chat with us about this garden right now. So hello Alexander, how, how's things with you? You're very well, thank you. Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah. So your chuffed bit's been winning platinum, I imagine. Oh, over the moon. Yeah, absolutely over the moon. We were lucky enough to win best in show as well. Oh, fantastic. So just on cloud nine, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I can see why you've won it, because my wife is exactly... This is a garden we would love. We love our vegetables, but we also love the meadow area. So just talk for a bit through the design process and how you've designed this song. Sure. Um, so the um, the organisers uh, who sponsored this, they wanted to celebrate Birmingham. So when I started looking into it, um, the Birmingham Jewellery Quarter really uh, sort of shone to me. And when I started researching, uh, I found out that people used to make workshops in their gardens to right. make the jewellery and the watches. So the idea sparked from that. And I just imagine what would it be like. It's said about 100 years ago. Uh, they would have heritage and heirloom varieties of vegetables, grow their own, uh, old-fashioned cottage garden plants, and then probably quite wild margins with weeds and wildflowers. Yeah, I mean, it is stunning. I'm just absolutely blown away with this. I love, like, the, the meadow wherever you go out the front, is that just an ordinary meadow seed or any particular planting you got in there? Yes, I mean, uh, that was pre-grown on a mat, uh, like, a, a, like a turf, and... Um, so that was sort of pre-grown and then we actually added extra wildflowers and I had a company near to me called uh, RPG Herbs and they grew various wildflowers like oxide daisies, uh, red campions, foxgloves, uh, silene, dioca um, to add into it so we can make it really full and full of flowers. Sure. And then obviously the main area of this garden I guess is this vegetable patch which you've fenced off but you've got a good variety of some really good looking plants actually. Thank you. Um, so it's nice straight rows of carrots and chard, beetroot. Yeah. 
Are these all, did you grow them yourselves or did you just... No, I had them I had them grown on for me by a specialist grower. I, I wouldn't know where to start with something like this. I'm not that skilled, not sure. with vegetables, yeah. Sure. And this was just inspired through the thought of going back 100 years into a watchmaker's garden, a jewellery maker's garden, sorry. It, it was really, yes, you know, just... Um, looking at the area and thinking about the industrial backdrop but at, at the yeah. time people would have grown their own vegetables that you, you know it's all self-sustenance self isn't it so yeah. it, the idea just came from that really yeah and I've got to admit when you think back to how gardens used to be this is kind of what you imagine and I'm just blown away with how beautiful it is so thank you really very much for your time and talking us through this and all the best in the future thank you very much yeah thank you I've now moved into the floral marquee and in here we have lots of plants for sale from lots of nurseries. It's very, very busy in here. There's a lot of people in here buying plants and what have you. I don't think I'm going to be able to speak to any of the nursery people, it's going to be a shame, but that's the joys of this sort of thing. I can actually see Nigel, aka Muddy Boots, and Nick from Nick's Allotment in here having a look around as well. So uh, there's a lot going on, a lot of people in here and it's huge, this place is huge. Now there seems to be every plant you can imagine being sold in here, from Venus flytraps to roses to cabbages to ferns and hostas. So much to choose from. Now there's also stages where a few people will be talking, and I've also spied a plant expert area. So I might go and ask them about this problem I have uh, been asked about with blueberries. So I found a stand labelled plant experts, and there's two people here. Lucy Chamberlain and Sol Walker. So before we get on to this question I've got from a listener, can we just explain a bit about where your background is from? Yeah, of course, Richard. So, so um, I'm head gardener and so is Saul. Uh, I head garden, uh, a private garden in Essex called East Donnellan Hall. It's got a lovely wall kitchen garden, which I absolutely adore. And it's got wildflower meadows and herbaceous borders and things like that. Um, I also do a bit of writing for um, various garden magazines and I do a little bit of BBC Essex broadcasting and Mr Walker does some of that as well, don't you? Yeah, I'm from, I'm from uh, Devon, down in the West yeah. Country and I'm a head gardener at a place called Stoneland's House. It's a private 60-acre garden based around a John Nash villa. So it's uh, quite a beautiful place and we're developing it. We've got some new stuff done uh, and we've got lots of old mature stuff. So it's, it's, yeah, it's quite a nice environment. Uh, I think we both do the radio, don't we? Yeah. So uh, I yeah. occasionally do Radio Devon. And you yeah. occasionally and do... And I do Radio 6, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we also, every year, for four days of the year, we live in each other's pockets because we come to hear BBC Gardeners World Live on the advice desk and try to help the general gardening public with all their problems. Try. Try. Try I'm is not the committing to anything word. more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we do. We, we get, honestly, from about um, 10 o'clock every day till 3, 4 o'clock, we literally have question after question after question. And it's lovely to a, hear what people are wanting to know about and just help them out. And uh, we get to see, understand gardening trends. And, yeah, it's uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. So. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Now, I mentioned this on last week's podcast about a listener who's got what he believes is stem canker on his blueberry plants. He tends to only be able to keep plants for about two years. Uh, he sent me a few pictures and we'll go through those and see what your think is because I don't think it's stem canker at all. No, no. Um, looking at the photograph, we've got um, a blueberry that looks a bit poorly in a pot and what's happening is that the stems at the bottom are going woody and what I call corky, but that is 
although your, your chap is saying it's stem canker, that is perfectly normal. That's what blueberries do Absolutely. as they get older. Yeah. It's just the stems woodying up. They start green, sometimes they've got a red flush to them, but as they become older, maybe two or three or four years old, they become just as dirt, but a bark, that's what it is. It's a, yeah. it's a corky bark, which any uh, woody plant will do. So stem canker, we can we can say to this this the fellow that it's not bad. So that's good news. And if you, if it was a stem canker, that is shown up by dark lesions. Right. That sort of starts spreading up and down the stem, and they're quite pitted as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. quite distinctive. They'll be sort of you know very black, yeah. sort of spreading up the stem. So you you would know if it was stem canker for definite. Sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah. But we can see that he's growing them in pots. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to explain, one of the other photographs shows that the leaves are all going, well, I'm um, say all, about 40% of the leaves have gone brown. Yeah. The others are perfectly green, and a lot of the leaves have fallen off, but they've all fallen off, and some of them are still green whilst they've fallen off. And that, to me, it always indicates overwatering. So blueberries, we know, like a moist, acid soil, but they also like good drainage so they like moisture at their roots mm -hmm. but they mustn't sit in water they're not like a pond plant or an aquatic plant that could tolerate that they really can't and I think that's exactly what's happening with this pot here I think the blueberry's been overwatered. Right. I think a lot of plants in pots this can happen to and people think something's going wrong with the top of the plant but actually more likely it's something going on underneath the ground so it's worth taking a plant like that out of the pot yeah and checking the root zone to see how it's doing sure. a yeah. good plant should be quite a lot of roots the soil should be quite tight so you should always take out the root ball as a whole yeah generally if you take it out it's not doing so well the plant will come out and it'll leave half the compost in yeah yeah, yeah so waterlogged roots just so people understand what to look for if you've got a plant that you think is being overwatered in a container the waterlogged roots will be soft and they'll disintegrate in your hands when you pull them, they'll be brown. Right. Uh, but healthy roots are nice and creamy white, they're plump, they're elastic, they don't, they don't disintegrate. Uh, so that's what you're looking for. And if they are waterlogged and rotten, uh, the thing to do is to get rid of any with the really soggy, claggy compost along with any of the really rotting roots. Repot into fresh compost that's a lot drier, moist but not soggy. That's mm -hmm. what you're after. And if the plant has not had too much damage, it might be able to regrow and develop a new root system. But there's always a risk that the roots have been damaged so badly that the plant sadly will die. Okay, so we're, we're pretty certain it's not stem canker then. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But okay. I think he was doing the right things, you know, keeping them moist, but maybe yeah. he's just been too. You know, a bit, a bit too generous with watering. Yeah, I think the reputation blueberry has for being a bog plant is taken a bit to the extreme, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Especially with the cultivated ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe the more wilder relatives can take right. that, but the cultivated ones are a little bit more. Uh, yeah. 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 When, when I worked at Whistley Gardens many years ago, they had blueberries going in the ground there, and they're on a nice sandy soil, but they they dug in lots of ericaceous compost and they had them on a slight mound right. so there was good drainage but they'd got the ericaceous soil right and they also had seed poses laid around the base of the blueberries so they were constantly moist but because they were on the mound they were well drained as well and on sandy soil all the excess moisture just used to drain away right yeah so that was a, a nice way to go if, i know most people grow them in pots but i ha i have mine at home in the ground yeah because uh, i've got sandy soil i've just dug, dug in lots of organic matter um ericaceous compost I add sulphur chips as well just to keep the ground yeah. acidic and then I just keep in, in dry spells I just make sure they're really well watered. Okay, excellent. So hopefully if the listener is listening it will solve his problem. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Is there any other 
type of thing you could think of it could be if it's not overwatering? Um, we were, I think if anything's had its roots damaged, mm -hmm. then um, waterlogging is something that can cause root damage, but there's vine weevil grubs as well, which might be an issue. I think we talked about that earlier, didn't yes. we? So, yeah. saying that, so vine weevil often causes symptoms that look like the plant wilting and collapsing, which could be mistaken for overwatering. And what's happening there is that the grubs of the vine weevil larvae are actually nibbling away at the root system and causing it to reduce, and then the plant can't take up moisture. So it's just the same as it, the symptoms are the same as yeah. uh, drought in essence. Right. So, um, but there, you know, there's control methods. Uh, I think the most common one is nematodes. Really, you can get this uh, nematode that kills yeah. off the grubs, but also just keep an eye out for the adults. They're quite distinctive. The vine weevil adults ever see them, give them a good squash, and then sure. it won't uh, cause any more grubs. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I, th I think that's probably mostly the two causes. Really, it, it's yeah. below the soil level is, yeah. is the issue. Right. Yeah. Just to say, sometimes um, ants like to colonise pods, mm. but then you get very different symptoms. Yeah. Uh, you'll um, what ants do? They don't actually eat plant roots, but what they're doing is they're creating little tunnels and networks of tunnels for their colony. And in doing so, they're taking the compost away and depositing it. And often you'll pick up a pot and move it, and there's all this lovely powdery compost underneath it. Right, That's yeah. a sign that you have an ant's nest there. And then what happens is the plant dries out, because there's all these air pockets. The root gets exposed to the air, and then the plant becomes much more vulnerable to drying out. So a different thing altogether, but a problem that can sometimes occur with potted plants. Right. And with ants, they just hate disturbance. Yeah. So again, pull out the root ball, shake off all the compost and the ants hopefully yeah. and then just repot them right. and then it should solve it excellent okay well great thank you so much for your time with this this has been one that i've asked a lot of people of, and everyone's came up with the similar sort of thing so yeah. good we're stuff right, good stuff we're on the right track thank you so much for your time guys Our pleasure, Richard. Thank you. Okay. cheers well they're not called plant experts for no good reason how they've worked all that out and diagnosed everything from a few photos was amazing I also think the whole process that they were talking about on how they've diagnosed this is helpful to all of us. I've learned a few things along just talking to them and listening to them, so great for that. Now if you do get a chance to see either Lucy or Sol, they are really knowledgeable people and really worth following. Well I'm going to head into the inside section where I believe there's more stalls and a lot of other interviews to go on and talk to. But I think for this week, I think we've got enough to make this week's podcast there's so much to see and do here i think we're going to have to split this into several episodes well a big thank you to everyone that has taken part in this episode now there's so much to do at gardeners world live that i will be continuing this uh this tour into next week and probably the week after i'd imagine as well so thank you for listening Thank you for everyone that's taken part. In the future, we have Annabelle from Life at number 27. We have Hydroveg, we have Garden Organic, and we have the president of the National Allotment Society. All to come over the next few episodes. So please stay tuned for that. Now again, big thank you to everyone for taking part and a big thank you for listening. So for this week, please take care and I will see you again next time where we will continue this tour of Gardener's World live.